When did you get the call? Like you're going to the Olympics. I also don't remember that. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you don't remember getting a call being like, you're going to go to the Olympics on the three on three happens. No, because it happens so casually. Welcome to the Just Women Sports Podcast, where we talk to the biggest athletes in the world about the untold stories behind their success. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and my guest today is Stephanie Dolson. Stephanie Dolson is having one of the most incredible years of her career. The two-time NCAA champion added some new hardware this year as a 2021 WNBA champion alongside her Chicago Sky team in a remarkable playoff run. And if that wasn't enough, she became an Olympic gold medalist with Team USA's three-on-three squad. This WNBA center has never been one to shy away from the spotlight, whether that's dominating on the court as a double-double machine or showing out on Instagram alongside her pup, Theo. She has never failed to rise to the occasion. Stephanie, welcome to the show. Thank you. That was quite the uh, entrance. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I always, it's so fun seeing uh, the guests faces when we or when I run through the intro because it's cool to hear all the things that you've done and especially this year like what a freaking year you've had yeah it's been a lot it's been a lot but it's been exciting yeah have you uh have you um gotten a little bit of time to come down from the WNBA championship or are you still riding that high uh, I've calmed down a little bit. I think I still go through my photos. Still, most of my recent photos are pictures of the celebration and that whole night. So I still kind of go back and reminisce already, but I'm kind of, you know, still chilling, you know, not going down yet. But just... <laughs> nice. Nice. It's always fun to like extend the celebrations as long as possible. Cause I mean, right now WNBA season's over. So are you, what's next for you? Like, are you off to play overseas or are you, how much time do you have off? Uh, I'm not going to play overseas yet. I'm going to take the first half off. I just want to kind of rest my body. Um, and then I'll see where it kind of takes me. But right now I'm just going to, I'm going to do some shadowing with coaches. I'm going to go to UConn, um, and some other colleges, but for now I'm just going to rest my body and, uh, prepare for the next step of training. That's smart. And it's good to take rest when you can. I think that's always, always when you, if you can take rest, I'm like the biggest, um, proponent of doing so so good for you and the, the shadowing sounds very cool yeah I'm excited I think uh it'll be a good opportunity to just learn you know how high level coaches prepare for games and practices and just prepare for that next hopefully chapter of my life after I'm done playing is that something you think you'd want to do yeah I think I'm gonna get into coaching um you know I just don't want to be one of those players that stop playing and just starts coaching but knows nothing about it so totally. I'm trying to time off to learn yeah, super smart. Well, um, we have a lot to talk about, especially this year. But before we get into obviously the incredible 2021 you've had and all of your accomplishments throughout your career, we always start at the beginning in this podcast, which is your childhood. So you grew up in, oh, um, you're one of four, right? Uh-huh. Uh, grew up in New York. So what was childhood like for little Stephanie? Uh, I mean, pretty simple. It wasn't a super exciting uh, childhood, I guess. Um, I was the youngest girl. Okay. So my older sisters, we were always competing. I always had to be the best at everything. I was bigger than them already. So it was just like, you know, that was where my competitive nature, I think, came in. Didn't matter what it was. If we had 
dinner, I was like, I need to have the most fries. I need to have the best meal. Like it was just always competitive. And yeah, I just, you know, I had a good childhood, pretty rural, you know, countryside in upstate New York. So yeah, pretty boring. <laughs> how did you, uh, how did you get into sports? Uh, well, I was six, I was six, four in eighth grade. So dang. Yeah. I was a big kid. And I think like first grade, I was the only one who could reach the uh, light switch. So it was just like, you know, I naturally was tall. Yeah. So my parents put me into sports. And then once I kind of just shot up, I got into volleyball and basketball and then ultimately chose basketball. Was sports a family thing? Did all of your siblings play or were, were you like the athletic one? Yeah, no. I mean, my one sister played, but she was not very good. Poor thing. Okay. She tried. Uh, <laughs> but my dad played like, you know, in high school, my mom played. So we were an athletic family, but you can't say that everyone was good at sports. I just happened to be the tallest and decent at it. So, you know, my dad, he did everything for me. I mean, he drove me hour and a half to the city, New York city to do, you know, AU practices and kind of get me out of our small town, but yeah, no one else really played. Makes sense. Um, so for basketball, you started, you, you said you were, what age were you when you started like playing club? Um, I think it was around eighth. Well, I played club in sixth grade, but that was like the local club. Okay. So I think around eighth grade maybe is when I went to a team in New York city, played with them. And then ninth and 10th, I changed to like a Tennessee team. Like I was all over the place. Cause, cause I think teams started realizing I was better than I thought I was. Okay. So they would see me like on a local team and they're like, we want you on our team. So then I'd move. And then, you know, so it was like a lot. Wait, did you say a Tennessee team? Yeah. So Tennessee flight, they were the type of team that just had like a lot of money and they okay. would get people from like every state. I mean, we had, we had Kalina Lewis who played in, you know, she's from California, me being from New York. Okay. I think we had people from Georgia, like we would just show up to these AU tournaments and win because we were just really good, but we never practiced. Wow. That's incredible. I actually did not know that was like a thing in AU yeah. in, in soccer and clubs. I mean, obviously I'm well removed from club soccer in those years, but the farthest, like somebody, it was like a drive, you know, no one was like yeah, flying yeah. in to, yeah. to play on our club team, but that's pretty incredible. So wait, when did that happen? I mean, I don't remember specifically. I think it was ninth and 10th grade. Okay. I think I, listen, I'm the same. I'm 29 now. I'm old. I don't remember anything from high school. <laughs> I got, I got you beat girl. I'm 33. <laughs> At what point, like this, it, it seems like, you, I mean, you started playing in sixth grade and by eighth grade, you're on AAU, your dad's driving you into the city to play for teams again in, in New York, against teams in New York. Then you're getting flown to Tennessee to play on an AAU team there, which is like, to me, such baller status as like a high schooler. Did you feel, were you like, oh, I'm like really good. Like, was that the point that you thought, oh, I'm, I like basketball is going to be it for me? That, yes. I didn't think okay. the I'm really good thing. Uh, I think I was just like, this is ridiculous. Why am I doing this? <laughs> Honestly. But it was at that point that I like, you know, I chose basketball because I was still between that and volleyball to play in college. But I think in eighth grade was my first like offer uh, with basketball. And I just realized okay. like that was where, you know, I was going to go. So, yeah. So once all that happened, the Tennessee team, more colleges would come and watch. Cause that was this thing. That's why, why I kept moving, you know, cause the better AU teams, you're going to be seen by more college coaches. So yeah. yeah, I guess you could say that's when I thought I was 
decent. <laughs> <laughs> and at what point did you give up volleyball? Cause I feel like for kids, especially in talking to athletes that like go super far and are super successful at some point they have to choose, like, it's going to be this sport. You know, for me, it was, I played a ton of sports, but then I came down to basketball and soccer and I was not good at basketball. So it was like, soccer is going to be it for me. Um, and that happened like sophomore year of high school. So did, at what point did you have to say no to volleyball? Yeah. I think that was also ninth grade. I think it was like, once I got into uh, high school, yeah. it just, everything kind of got a little bit more serious and with AU, like being the off season, I think that kind of interfered with volleyball season, like just stuff like that. So I think it was around ninth or 10th grade that I decided like, okay, I'm over volleyball. I need to only focus on basketball. And I know my volleyball coach wasn't very happy, but I was about to say, were you, were you sad about it? Like, did you, were you bummed? Did you want to keep playing or were you like, nah, it's, it's good. I can basketball's it. Uh, a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. I loved volleyball, but like, I definitely, I liked basketball more. So it wasn't yeah. like that hard of a choice, but yeah, it was more so letting my coach down. I felt really bad. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a conversation with my high school basketball coach fall of my sophomore year going into the season. And I like sent him my soccer schedule and then sent him the basketball schedule. And I was like, any conflict here, I'm going to only soccer. Yeah. And I was like, let me think about this. And then called me two days later and was like, it's just not going to work. And I was like, yeah. I, I remember sitting on the side porch and being sad for like a day. And I was like, we're not even good at basketball. Like, this, yeah, I'm yeah. not even good at basketball. <laughs> why would I, why would I care? So you obviously started getting recognized uh, by college coaches early on. So what was the recruiting process for you? Cause you ultimately ended up at UConn. So talk through that. Cause I, I just find, and I know listeners, I think find hearing people's recruiting stories. Interesting. They find them interesting because it's like, I don't know. Recruiting is such a hectic process or very stressful, I think for kids. So what was yeah. it like for you? For me, it wasn't, it was okay. You know, my mom uh, was a huge help. She was the one like the organizer, you know, these letters would come in and she would kind of put them aside and kind of organize them for me. But my biggest thing for recruiting was I went to a lot of summer camps. So I actually got my first real offer from Maryland because I went to their basketball camp. Got it. So I went to their summer camp and Brenda happened to be there. Like the coaches were there. And so they saw me, she like, I don't want to say she called me into her office, but I remember someone being like, you know, Hey, Brenda wants to talk to you. And I was like, yeah. Oh my God. What? Like, <laughs> me? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, me. So I went in and I was, I think that was in my ninth, um, in ninth grade. And she okay. was like, Hey, I know it's early, but like, we want to offer you. So that's when I really was like, wow, I could go to college, you know, yeah. to play basketball. So I kept doing that. I went to UNC's camp, visited Duke while I was down there. So yeah, so it's just, it was overwhelming. It was a lot happening, a lot of phone calls. I remember talking to Coquise Washington from Penn State for like three hours on the phone one time. Like, wow. My mom became best friends with Brenda. Like it was just <laughs> too much. And then the Holy Grail, we get a letter from UConn. When did that come? And I was like, all right, well, there goes everyone else. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but um, it's kind of it's true. Cause like, that's what sometimes happens. You know, you're like, I remember I, UNC didn't talk to me at all until they found out I was still, I hadn't committed anywhere like late into my junior year. And yeah. I remember getting a call from that coach from Anson Dorrance, who's like the, you know, college soccer coach. 
And my dad just being losing his mind over the fact that like I was getting called by UNC and lo and behold, I I still, and then he was like, and then lost his mind that I like didn't go there, but obviously, but, but okay. So, (laughs) so you get, so, so all these other, all these coaches and programs are like after you early on your mom's developing relationship with like the Maryland coach, Mm -hmm. then UConn, when did, when did UConn happen? Uh, I think UConn happened. I want to say the summer after my 10th, after 10th grade. Okay. So like normal timing. Yeah, I believe so. I committed early. Like, I think I like fully committed to UConn my junior year. Okay. Cause I remember senior year of high school being like a total wash, just not caring at all (laughs) in school or in basketball or both. Uh, more school, more okay. school. Basketball was not, I mean, I could be bad and I'd still be good because yeah. of where I played. It was just not, wasn't great. Gino, actually, I'll say that after anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, I just remember getting a letter and then I didn't like commit, you know, right off the bat. I still went to visit. I, w- I visited Maryland. I visited Duke and Yukon, but it was the closest to home. I just loved like the energy of the whole family, you know, like of UConn um yeah so it's just like honestly an easy choice it wasn't just that they were UConn it was truly like they just felt like the most home for me which is important so yeah they were an easy choice but yeah so then Gino so then the, the funny thing is like Gino after I committed he still had to come to games and stuff okay like high school games this man came to a high school game of mine and fell asleep that's how bad that's how bad it was Oh my God. I think that's the best Gino story I've heard on this podcast. Cause I've, like, I've interviewed a handful of Yukon superstars and that I think takes the cake. It was like, so, did you see him in the yes. stand sleeping? Yes. But <laughs> we, it's because my team was beating the other team by like 40 and this man is just sitting in the stands. Like, Oh my God. Like sleeping. It was so funny. My parents were like, who who woke him up I don't I don't remember I'm sure he just like kind of dozed in and out (laughs) yeah makes sense oh my gosh that's incredible well you you smashed your high school career you end up going to UConn and going into UConn they were coming off of two undefeated seasons and two national championships so you've obviously been, you were highly recruited. You, you committed early. You had such a historical high school career. How did you feel walking in to that UConn squad, knowing who you were and what you were coming from, but then also what they had just done? Like, what did that feel like? Were you freaking out? Cause I would have been. Yes. Scared <laughs> as shit. Excuse okay. my language. I don't know about allowed to curse, but you are. I was scared. I'm like, yeah. I'm the type of person that the more you are around, the the probably more surprised people are at the fact that I went to college for basketball. I play in the WBA because I'm always scared. I'm usually always nervous. Like, Wait, really? Yeah, I just, I don't know. I think I have so much like pressure on myself that I put okay. on myself that I just want to be really good. So if I'm yeah. not, I'm just, I freak out, you know? So I was so scared, like, petrified um actually my first semester at college I went home every weekend I was like crying all the time really I almost quit yeah I told you know I didn't want to play there anymore and then <laughs> I don't know what happened but it was just yeah. like 
this whole switch happened uh, around Christmas. I remember after like the first semester was over and it's just like changed. I don't know. I started playing really well. He like coached me differently. Just a bunch of things. I didn't go home as much. Probably a big thing. Um, it helps. Yeah, it helps. So, so yeah, then it, it just, it got better. Got easier after the first year. Okay. So Rocky, Rocky start. What do you think the, what was, what was the change that Gino made? Can you like pinpoint what he did differently or like, was there something specific that you can remember? Yeah, I think, well, I do remember like a conversation him and I having, it was, I remember him just being like, how do you want to be coached? Like, Mm. you know, I'm doing it this way and it seems like it's not really working. Like, how do you think you should be coached? I remember just telling him, you know, certain things, whether it's a little more positivity. Um, I was about to say, how do you like to be coached? Yeah, I'm I'm a very big, like, just being positive. Like, I know usually when I mess up, so I don't need someone to like, remind you, yell at me (laughs) four times, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like, Hey, you know what you did wrong, but that was a great pass or that was a great, you know, I don't know, like positive reinforcement, like a, like a compliment sandwich, you know, like great yeah. pass. Think about this next time. Keep doing what you're doing. You exactly. Know? <laughs> I love that. I love that analogy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And then he did it or so I thought he did it. So whatever he did, you know, it worked because the second half of the season was kind of it was really good for me as a freshman. And then from there, I just, you know, confidence kind of kept going up. Yeah. So freshman year, you guys make it to the final four or no? Yes. Yes. Yeah. And you, and is it, it's freshman and sophomore year, you lose to Notre Dame back to back both times. Yeah. Oh, that's so crushing. What was that like? Tell me about it. (laughs) I was soul crushing. I mean, it was brutal. Like, one, the fact that we lost in the final four. Two, the fact that we did it two years in a row to Notre Dame. Yeah. Yeah. If you were to go through my like losses in all four years, I think six of them are to Notre Dame. Like wow. most of them, most of my losses are to Notre Dame in my college career. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It was really tough. But what are you guys teams? You were what? Sorry. Younger. Like I was the younger one. So I didn't really have much control over it. Yeah. Uh, so once I went to junior, senior, I was like, no, this isn't happening again. I was about to say, so what do you think was the, the switch or the change that you guys made from, you know, your freshman and sophomore year to then your junior and senior year, junior and senior year, you go, were you undefeated junior year or senior year? uh I think senior year yeah senior year undefeated yeah. and you win both times mm-hmm. and you do you beat Notre Dame both times you have to remember I this so. I think so I think mm, I have it in my notes but I think the one year we beat them in the final four but then we played Louisville in the finals okay okay but then, and the then your senior year, you beat them beat in, the, in, the championship. in the championship. Yeah. And that was when you were undefeated. So, yeah. So what do you think the, uh, what do you think the switch was? Like, was it you stepping into a leadership role? Like, what would you, where would you, um, what would you pinpoint? Uh, I mean, I would love to say that it was me being a leader. <laughs> Probably the fact that we got Brianna Stewart also helped. Yeah. Just a little lift. Yeah. Just a little bit. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't know. I think it was really a combination of a lot of things. Like truly, you know, we get Brianna Stewart. We had a really good, not only her, but a whole freshman uh, group that was really good. 
yeah, me and Bria Hartley became like the older ones, the leaders of the team. And so I think after losing two years in a row, like we just couldn't let it happen again. You were tired of it. You're like, this is yeah, not. very <laughs> much. Very, it was too much losing for us. Um, yeah. So I think it's just a lot of, you know, little things that um, ended up making us win. <laughs> yeah. So what was it like to win your first national championship for UConn? Uh, it was pretty exciting. It was in Louisiana. Okay. I have a tattoo for it. What's uh, the tattoo? The Florida Lee. Nothing exciting. Okay, cool. But yeah, it was just like wild. I don't remember that either. I have a really bad memory. <laughs> really? But I'm sure it was just exhilarating. Um, I know I remember I love the team. Like the celebration after was one of the wildest things I've ever experienced in my life. Do tell anything. I mean, well, you're in, New Orleans. You're, yeah, you're in New Orleans. Yeah, we were in New Orleans, Bourbon Street. I won't say names, but we had coaches out with us doing some interesting things. Uh, it was real hot in the, in, the club, in the club bar thing. I mean, it was just wild. It was like yeah. the next morning, you know, we fly back and we had like a parade and one of my teammates is thrown up on the side. Like it was just something else so uh, guys, yeah you, you took full advantage of of the celebration as I think every team should I am all yes. for that yes. that's amazing okay then this is your senior year your yeah. last year with UConn you go into the final against Notre Dame undefeated you've already uh, admitted that you get stressed and nervous so where what were your nerves like into that game probably wanting to vomit uh <laughs> I mean, I'm sure I was nervous. Any game, I'm nervous. But that, and it was Notre Dame. It was like, I remember he's one of my best friends now, but he was like a manager of the team at the time. And I just, I'll never forget every time out. He was like, Steph, don't let up. They're coming. Like they're coming. Because I remember we were beating them by a lot. Like from the jump, I think we were up a pretty, you know, decent amount. Okay. But like, it was just never... You know, we'd never wanted to let our guard down because we knew it was Notre Dame. We knew yeah. what's happened before, but then they ended up never coming back. So then it was like weird, but then we won. So incredible. Yeah. Where, where was that final? That one was in Nashville, I believe. That was in Tennessee. Also a good party city. Uh, it was okay. Uh, was that good? Yeah, it was weird. Yeah, everything closed like early. Every, oh. ended up just like partying in the hotel room. Um, oh. Yeah, it wasn't That's as fun. Bad. Nashville. Yeah, do better. Yeah. Um, come on. Um, I've had good times in both those cities. So you close your, your college career on a high, which I'm very jealous of. Every guest I talked to has won a national championship. I didn't, I didn't get to do that. My senior Sorry. year undefeated lost in the finals to UNC. Yeah. Damn, big, I'm sorry. big dagger in the heart. Talk about soul crushing. So yeah. I have so much respect and admiration for all the people who have won national championships for their colleges. So congrats to you and being able to close on a high and not a very low, low, like I did, Um, (laughs) but you go into, so as you're closing out your career, like, are you thinking WNBA, like I, like I want to go and put my mark on this league. Like what a year, what's your mentality or kind of like perspective closing your college career going into your pro career I think it was just like kind of proving myself and just yeah um you know showing like I deserve to be there because in my first couple years in college like I never I never imagined making it to the WNBA like you know back when we talk about high school and middle school like 
I didn't think I was going to college for basketball. Then I'm in, in college and I'm like, there's no way, like how? Really? And then, yeah. And then my senior, junior, senior year is really when I like, I think started to believe that I could go to the WNBA and then senior year. Yeah. Like we win and then all these coaches start calling and it's just like this whole whirlwind of draft night and this and that, and like so many emotions and um, excitement. So I was, you know, when I got drafted to DC, I was excited that it was again, close to home East coast. Like it was a team that I knew I was going to be happy on. um, And I was, so yeah, it was just, it was a lot. And it was, it's just so different. You know, you go from, everyone says this, I'm sure you go from college where you're playing 40 minutes to, I think I average like eight minutes a game. Oh, dang. And you're, yeah. 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 Because, you know, we had a lot of vets on the team and older players, but then my second year, I averaged like 20 minutes a game. I became an all-star, like all these other things. So it was just a, a lot, a lot happened within a few years. Yeah, totally. I'm curious. You, you said that, you know, not until your maybe your junior, senior year, did you think, oh, I could go pro. Did that come from like an internal uh, realization of, oh, I am good enough. Like, and I do want this and this is where I want to go. Or did that come from some external validation of like maybe coach Gino or, you know, teammates or other places? Cause I'm always interested because it sounds like you, you're like, you've just gone into every door that's opened and you haven't mm-hmm. necessarily like been like, that's the door that I want to go into. It just yeah. has opened there for <laughs> you walk through it, which I mm-hmm. feel very similarly, or I felt very similarly throughout my career as well. Cause it's just kind of like you get to the top of what, wherever you're at and then the next door opens. So what, what do you think made you start to think about that, that you could go play in the WNBA? Uh, I mean, it was probably like both. I'm sure that seems like the obvious answer, but like, yeah, I just feel like, you know, there's definitely some internal stuff that I was like, I was starting to build my confidence and that sophomore into junior year was the big, everyone talked about it when I was in college was like the big change that I made with my body. Okay. I lost all the weight. The conversation I had with CD. What was that conversation? Just about like losing weight. Like, you know, it was she still says I had baby weight, which I probably did looking back. We all do in college. Like I look I at. You didn't all, know like, that. I know it's so weird. You think you're like, I'm an adult now. And it's like, no, yeah. you're like you really don't get like hit your like physique peak until you're like late twenties, maybe even early thirties, like as female. Yes. That's I just crazy. remember CD always said it to me. And I always was like, CD stop. Like I don't have baby weight. Like I'm not a baby. Like, what <laughs> yeah. do you mean? And then you lose the weight. And I was like, oh, wait. Like now I see what she's talking about. Yeah. Anyway. So I think it was that it was like just gaining the confidence after losing weight. I got stronger, you know, I played really well my junior year. And then again, it was also like my coaches, you know, CD kind of putting that confidence in Gino continuously believing in me. Like that was the best junior and senior year was like, I mean, he never even talked to me in a way. Like he, like, it was just always, you were just doing what you were doing and he didn't. Yeah. Like I didn't. Yeah, exactly. And it was like, it was so nice. It was so easy. So I think that was what it was like, you know, both people, them instilling confidence, me having confidence um, that kind of made me believe like, okay, I can do this next step. And this is the path like that I'm, you know, supposed to go. Love it. That's great. So, okay. Then you talk about first year, you get, you get traded or you get drafted sixth overall to the Mystics. Mm-hmm. Where'd you live in DC, by the way? Arlington. We lived in Virginia. 
Okay. Okay. I yeah. live in DC, so I'm like in the city proper. So I'm always curious where nice. Mystics players are at. Um, yeah, did you like DC? I love DC. Yeah. yeah. It's a great city. Like I loved living in Virginia too, like actually living outside of the city. Yeah. But it wasn't like Chicago. God, it's an hour to get to the city. Like DC was nice. It's traffic, but it's like 30 minutes. Totally. So I love do you it, live. Yeah. Do you live outside of the city in Chicago? Yeah, we live north. So we're about oh. 45 minutes north. Oh, dang. That stinks. I'm always, yeah, it's always interesting to see like, it's like Chicago sky, but you're really like in the burbs, you know? Yeah. Chicago uh, burbs. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, so you, you talk a little bit about how you go from college, you're playing 40 minutes a game, and then first year you're averaging eight, and then you make the jump second year. So did you do anything differently between first and second year in the league to make that jump? Or was it just like the, a matter of having the experience and just getting better and like being used to the environment? Yeah, I think it's that. I think it was just being comfortable, like where I was. My first season, I, again, remember being just as scared as I was going into college my freshman year. Yeah, uh, You just like don't know anything. You have to just for me, at least I was quiet. I just listened. I learned, like I did what I was told. And then after your first year, after your first season, you just like the comfort level jumps, you know, and then, you know, there's going to be behind you where you're like, I'm not a rookie anymore. Like I already know these things. So it's just like that comfort level of just, and then that kind of adds a little bit more confidence too. So I think it was just that. And then, you know, learning coach T how he coached and how to play in the W, like all that stuff. Yeah, for sure. This week, we're shouting out Abby Taylor, the co-founder and CMO of Pliables. Abby, an avid surfer, and her co-founder Rob conceptualized the company as they traveled the globe searching for the best surf breaks they could find. In their quest for giant waves, they found a passion for the acai and pitaya bowls that accompanied surf culture and diet all over the world. When they returned home with just a few appliances from their own kitchen, they set out to recreate their favorite blends. Since starting their business six years ago on the sidewalk outside of a pizza shop near the Jersey Shore, which I've actually been to, the company has grown to over 100 locations nationwide. In 2019, Abby was recognized for incredible work and named to the Forbes 30 Under 30 list and received the prestigious Ernst & Young Entrepreneur of the Year Regional Award for Innovation. Abby knows that in business, the people are everything, saying, the people that work for us make our company stand out. They're so passionate and it's such a cool feeling to give someone a raise or promote someone to a new position and actually see these young people grow with us. We are all learning as we go, but we're learning together. Abby, it is women like you who continue to change the game. Join us next week for more stories of female leaders in business, in sport, and beyond. So you, you've played overseas as well. Mm -hmm. um, did you go and play overseas immediately following your first season? Yes. I went okay. to Turkey. Uh, I went to Russia. And then halfway through, I went to Turkey because the Russian team was like, so bad. So <laughs> bad on left. the court or like bad off the court or both? Uh, a little bit of both. We weren't okay. awful on the court, but it was okay. more off, it was more off the court that it was just like, a, not a good situation they're they pay they weren't paying and then they weren't gonna pay so mm. it was like okay well if you're not paying I'm gonna leave so then I left I went to Turkey uh for the rest of the season so you've played in Russia Turkey China Italy China yeah 
what's been your, you, it's an eye roll from you. So do you, you do you like playing overseas? Is it like, it's cause a lot of the WNBA players I've talked to, it's kind of like, it's just something you have to do. Some people have enjoyed it, but then other people, it's like, this is where we make our money. So there's, there's a little bit of eye roll. Are you kind of like, it's, it's just a means to an end almost. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I, like you said, like, I'm not going to speak for anyone else, but like, yeah. I don't really enjoy it. Um, mm. and also it's just, I don't think I'm a great overseas player in a way, just like girls go overseas and they ball out, you know what mm. I mean? They take 25 shots a game because they can, and they yeah. should, I'm not you know saying they shouldn't, but I just like, don't, I, I don't even know if I've ever taken 25 shots in a game, like in my life. Okay. So I just don't know how to play like that. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if I really have a ton of, um, I don't know what the word is, not stature, but like, like people don't see me overseas. Like, Oh, we want Steph Dawson. Cause she's going to come here and score 30 points. Got it. Got it. Got it. That makes sense. Like, you know, so it's kind of more of, um, I don't know. For me, I just go to make the money. Yeah, um, that's why I went paid. to China. Yeah. China is a short season too. So for me, that's like the best, like the most money and the shortest season kind of bang it out and get back home. Uh, <laughs> for sure. And that's what I tried to do, but then it didn't work out because COVID. So, Oh dear. Well, yeah. what, what's been your favorite, it sounds like China has been your favorite place to play, but maybe that's because of the season length, but in terms of like experience what's mm -hmm. been your favorite probably turkey i mean everyone loves turkey because yeah. it's kind of the party the party country it's oh, like really oh yeah it's i mean and a lot of the teams are like fairly close to each other or if oh, they're nice. not like it's like a flight it's like 45 minutes to get to istanbul so it's where like a lot of the americans play you know so you guys have a weekend off or a night off everyone goes out to party yeah. in istanbul um it's pretty westernized so they have like good food yeah but also i just love turkish food too it's like delicious so it's just like yeah i'd say turkey is probably my favorite like experience makes sense yeah i've never been to turkey i'm gonna have to go yeah it's actually it's nice it's nice yeah sounds awesome so after three seasons with the mystics which <laughs> two of which your first two seasons you guys made playoffs it's pretty awesome got to go to yeah. playoffs your first your first two pro seasons you get traded to chicago sky and i'm curious did you want that trade did you ask for that trade were you surprised like how did that trade go down for you no i definitely asked for it uh, okay. <laughs> i was shocked i was sitting on a train i think i was going from new york city to jersey to my sister's house i'll never forget it and my agent calls me and she just tells me and i started crying because i was just oh. like Again, I'm a crier. You'll hear me cry a lot. I just like very, I'm a very emotional person. I can cry at an instant. So yeah, I just remember crying and like being devastated because I loved DC. I loved the team. I loved Coach Tebow. Like everything about it, I loved. And then he called me and was basically just like, I'm so sorry. Like you were like an, another daughter. Mm -hmm. I didn't want to do this, but like I had to type of thing. So I totally understood. And him and I have a great relationship still. Like, you know, it was no hard feelings or anything, but yeah, it was definitely scary and just starting a whole new journey. You know, it's, it's hard to start new with, when you don't know anything. So I was, I was scared and nervous, but 
it ended up pretty well. Yeah, it's it's yeah. ended up it's ended up very well. When you first got there, was it a conversation within the team that like we want to be championship team, we want to be in the playoffs every year? Like, was there a building process that led to this past season, or like what did that look like through your career with the Sky? I'd say it was well. My first year was. Um not much with this guy it was just like yeah you guys miss playoffs right yeah I mean it, we had a new coach okay uh, a few new players because of our trade but then you know like draft like it was a lot of new stuff happening I ended up doing actually well that season I believe I was an all-star that year too nice. it was like but like it's just because we didn't have much you know it was just like we were just playing but then I think after that and then the second season I think where it really took off, where we were like, we want to be a championship team was probably my third season. Well, maybe second season too, but like James Wade came in. Yep. We drafted Diamond and Gabby and like, we just felt like we were really creating something then. And yeah, and then, then obviously last year, well, first bubble, that was just, again, another kind of throwaway year. That was, that was a rough year. I was injured. Yeah. Azra mm -hmm. was injured. Diamond got injured. So that was a tough season. But then, yeah, this year we were like, all right, well, let's try to get Candace Parker. We get her. And I think that's when we were like, all right, like this was the piece that we've been missing. You know, we had an up and down year. But then, yeah, postseason was just something else. This Worked is out. insane. <laughs> yeah, this is insane. With the, uh, with the Candace Parker trade, was there any sort of trying to convince her coming from players? Because I, I feel like, NBA, you, you know, because they get so much coverage, you hear about the guys yeah. calling each other, being like, yo, bro, come to the come to my team, you know, that yeah. always trying to finagle these trades, convince players. So did that did you were you guys trying to do that? Or was the trade Candace coming from LA? Was it like Candace wanted to to do it and no one needed to convince her? I think a little bit of both also. I okay. I think I think Sloop may have had a conversation with her. Um, I never spoke to her. I had, you know, a little bit of a relationship with her, but not much, not yeah. enough to be like, Hey, Candace, I think you should come play with us. Okay. But I know that James and her are really close. So I knew he was going to be talking to her. And then I also knew that she has family. Like her family is in Chicago. She's from Chicago. Yeah. So I think it was also a little bit of her choice to come home. So, um, and we always knew that was an option. Like that was in the air, Yeah. but we didn't know if it would actually happen. So when it did, I think we were all very excited. Yeah. Yeah. And it was good. good. Yeah. I don't know. Totally. Like, yeah. And it worked out again. Exactly. Exactly. Well, I want to talk about Tokyo Olympics. So yeah. So cool. First of all, you guys, the listeners will don't know this, but you guys practiced or like had a little tape court that you set up on our floor our like meal room and equipment floor. So we would see you guys practicing and we were all, I always, I thought that was super cool. And I always was like, go team USA. Did and you ever then, shoot? Yeah. And I don't shoot? think, I don't think I made it ever. I don't know if you saw Someone when broke it. <laughs> really? That was my concern. I was like, guys, like this is their practice court. Like you have to respect it. Like you can't be like <laughs> throwing like, you know, slams down on this mini hoop. <laughs> But so I felt like I felt this like closeness to you guys because you were on our floor. And so, and I didn't know anything about three on three 
basketball. And so I like, when you guys started playing, I Googled the rules and like a USA art, USA today article <laughs> had like all of the things and I was fascinated by it. So that's my little spiel on uh-huh. how cool <laughs> I thought that three on three basketball was you guys were, you guys winning was, but so talk about th- that experience for you. When did you know you were going to be on the team? Let's just start there. When did you mm-hmm. get the call? Like you're going to the Olympics. I also don't remember that. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, you don't remember getting a call being like, you're going to go to the Olympics on the three on three happens, team. No. Cause it happened so casually. Like, so the way with three on three, the way it happened was like um, the rules to even be on the team is you have to have a certain amount of points. You have to be in the top 10 of points in your country. And the way you get points is just by playing in three on three tournaments. So okay. USA basketball basically, you know, ended up creating a bunch of tournaments for us to just play in, to just get us up. Okay. Because a lot of us, all four of us yeah, are in the WNBA, which most of the tournaments happen during our season. So we couldn't really get to them. Got it. Okay. So anyway, so like that was just trying to get us there. And then, I mean, they basically picked four or five of us that was like, all right, like you guys are our main people. We want to keep training you. Um, so I did have an idea, you know, that I would make the team. And then when we did, we had to do the Olympic qualifying tournament first in Austria. Okay. And there was a conversation with that where it was like, if we qualify and you guys qualify us, you will be on the team. Okay. Okay. So you kind of, you kind of knew it was like trending towards being on the team. Got it. You guys were like it basically. Yeah. And we, that's why I think they did that. It was just so that we could train. Like we're not like other countries where year round, like three on three is becoming very popular in other countries where they, people only play it. Yeah. So for us, it was like, we didn't really practice that much because we couldn't. So it was just the random training camps and we would play a ton of three on three and, you know, scrimmage these guys, like all this stuff. So it was really the the Olympic qualifying tournament was the first step of like, again, anxiety because we had to make the Olympics. I mean, we were just like in the Olympics, like we had to actually get there. So that was, man, talk about stress. That was insane for the qualifying tournament is it um was it was it like top three go what was the entry point yeah. that you had to make the top three yeah top three yeah so oh, it was God. yeah you the, you know the, the two teams that won that or would have went to the championship game like we did play so okay. once we won the one game the semifinals we were like you know we made it and then obviously the two teams who lost the semifinals game and had to play for third place you know they made it too yeah, got it. So. How different is playing three on three to regular bas- five on five basketball? It's different, just like the speed, yeah. uh, the nonstop, like you just don't stop. Uh, there was times, but it's so funny because there are so many times where like it's it feels nonstop. I'm exhausted. I'm like about to die. And I look up, it's been a minute and a half or something. Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> oh shit. But it's because you're just like just going, you know, you're yeah. often, often, you know. So so it's like that. You don't have a coach. I know. So I was, that's the worst part. It's like so many times too, like we were with our men and at the Olympic uh, qualifying, and their coach is like in the stands, like yelling, saying and can and can the coach yell from the stands? They're not like supposed to. Okay. I'm like, but is it like no tennis one... where you like can get a fault or yeah. whatever from? Okay. Okay. Yeah. Like he'll stand there and like say things with his little hand motions where they know, you know, and they're like looking at him. 
Yeah. And then, but then it's so funny because for us, we're playing a game, right? And I'm like, what do we run? What do we run? And we look over at Kara and she's just like, <laughs> like just staring rules. at us. <laughs> just staring at us. I'm like, Kara, say something. And she yeah. just, her mask on, just nothing. Oh so we're my like, gosh. So yeah, so it's just, now having a coach is really hard because uh, you just have to think of everything. Like you're a coach, you're a player, you got to think about the refs. So it's just um, a lot more thinking going into it yeah um a different type of strategy like if you get blown by you just stop playing defense because you let them get a layup but then you're gonna get a two-pointer so it's just like there's a lot of different strategy to it um that kind of makes it more of like almost a puzzle or like a game yeah um, which makes it more fun so yeah that's why I enjoyed it after I played it once or twice I was like oh this is fun yeah it's it's so fun it's so fun to watch I feel like it's so much more um there's such a smaller like margin of victory mm-hmm. in three on three. Cause it's like to 21 or 10 minutes, basically that's the rule. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 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 Which is so crazy. I feel like I would have been way more stressed playing that than five on five, just because it's like anyone's game. Like anyone yeah. could get to it just seem so close. And then the no coaches and you're like subbing each other in and out. And I don't know, it just seems extremely stressful, but and, and knowing that you don't handle stress well, I'm sure it was like, so did you have fun at the Olympics? Like, were you enjoying it? Uh, yeah. I mean, yes, obviously I, I enjoyed the experience, but it was unfortunate that it was so fast. Like that was the other kind of not great part was like, you know, we played back to back for five or six days. Yeah. Um, and then we were out of there. So it all happened very fast, but the overall experience was really cool. Uh, opening ceremonies, um, just everything. The whole experience was awesome. So, you know, we were happy. We were happy we made it and then very happy we won because like Kara kept saying to us, you know, kind of like a, a championship. It's just, she's like, you don't realize or people don't realize how hard it is to win a gold medal until you do. Yeah. And so as we're going, every game is just getting harder and harder. And then we lost to Japan and it was like, we've never lost. Like, what do we do? Yeah. And so, yeah, it just after we did it, it just was so much relief because like it was really hard to do. Totally. Um, so yeah. I know I always I always talk about championships or big, you know, international tournaments, Olympics or World Cups. They seem super fun from the outside. And mm-hmm. they are when you look back and you like relish in all of the wins and all that stuff. But in the moment, it's like the most yeah. stressful thing ever. And yeah. like your coach said it's so hard to do. Like, it's just, you're just like on your teeter on the edge, like you could lose or you could win. And it's really a, sometimes a toss up and it's like a lot of luck involved, I think, but, yeah. um, <laughs> but you guys smash it and you win. And I was so excited. I remember like running up to my room and like <laughs> trying getting my like VPN ready to be able to watch the game. So what was it like to get a gold medal? Uh, it was cool. I mean, um, I don't know. It was, it's you you know I say this like you understand just because it's like you can't explain things like that like yeah it's so true yeah like any of the medals it's like honestly you know you want to say like gold medal gold medal or bust type of thing for at least for America like whatever but in the in hindsight like after we got it I remember thinking like honestly I don't even 
I don't even think I would have cared if I got silver or bronze too. Like really? just getting a medal, just because it's like getting a medal. Like this is our first Olympics. True. Our first time being here. I think America and the U.S. put so much pressure on getting golds. Yeah. But it's like, it's also really awesome if we got second or third, like you're still getting a medal. Um, but, you know, it was nice to get gold, but it was <laughs> yeah. like, but it was just cool. So it's like, it's hard to explain the feeling. It's just, um, you know, a feeling of just, just pure happiness. Like you don't even know how else to feel. And honestly, relief was a big one. Like you're just so relieved that all your hard work paid off and that you like actually did it because if you don't, you know, you do feel like you let people down, you let yourself down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just, you know, it's just pure happiness, pure joy. Well, I was really. stoked for you guys. It was very fun Thank to you. watch and you guys, Thank you. you guys crushed it. I loved, I was like a little fangirl. So you win an Olympic gold medal and then you have to come back and continue playing in the WNBA, finish out your season. And you, you, it obviously ended well, but was there like, how did you handle or prevent yourself from burning out? Like, were you just, did you ride that Olympic high into the second half of the WNBA season? Like what, what was that internal feeling like for you? I think, I think what helped a lot is that I played three on three. So mm. for me, it was such a diff. It was actually like, it was just a nice almost break from five on five. Like, yeah. I think if I went and played five on five basketball, it would have been a little bit harder maybe, um, or easier to feel burnt out. So I think it helped that I played three on three. Um, it kind of gave me that break from the season of the W. Um, and then, yeah, winning kind of brought me back on a high. My team was amazing. Like they were so sweet when I got back, had like these shirts made, like it was really cute really yeah. cute. I hate the attention, but I appreciated the statement. Um, so they were really nice. Uh, yeah, it's kind of, I guess you could say I rode the high of being, you know, of winning and whatnot, but I also really love my Chicago team. So like, it's not hard to be around them and it's not yeah. hard to play with them. Um, so I'm not sure I've ever really felt burnt out with them just because I truly enjoy playing with them and stuff. So that's nice. Well, you guys, you guys, obviously you do well enough to secure six seeds. How close was it to not making playoffs for you guys? Was it tight? Too close. Yeah, that <laughs> was close. It was like, I don't know if it was that close of not making, but like, it felt that it was a little too close for comfort. comfort. Like, yeah. 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 So it wasn't, it wasn't great for us, but you know, we just knew if we made it that we had a chance and that like playoffs are a whole new season I mean when you say clean slate it's clean slate totally uh, especially with the um the way we have it with the whole first two rounds or one game so yeah when yeah. and when and go through when yeah. and in do you so you you said felt like a clean slate was being the sixth you know the lowest seed in the playoff was that a little bit of extra motivation like all right we have a little bit lose, you know yeah yeah exactly I think it was more that it was just like we have nothing to lose. We can just go out and just play kind of free. Um, we changed a lot of our schemes in the playoffs. Like we did a whole defense that we've never do, done all season. Really? Yeah. Who knows why, but it worked. So it was just a lot of changes that were made in the playoffs. That was like, all right, this is playoffs. We need the best people out there. We need a different defense. We need just different style of play really. 
um, and everyone stepped up their play. And yeah, it was just an incredible ride, honestly. Like, it's just still unbelievable. I like, I still can't believe what happened to be honest with you because we played so many great teams. Like every team yeah. I thought, I was like, I don't know if we can get out of this. I don't know if we can get out. Like, I don't know. And then we did. And it's just crazy. <laughs> how was, how was the final whistle blowing? Or I guess the buzzer goes off. It's not whistle in basketball. And you're like, you're a WNBA champion. Again, just pure joy. I just yeah. like, it's exact same feeling as winning the medal. Like you just kind of look up in the sky and then you find someone to hug and you just hug them. Like, I had some tears. I was like happy, sad because it was over, but like, again, just relieved. Like it was so long. And because I've never, like you had said, you know, I made playoffs my first two years with DC, but I don't think I've ever made like past first round. Hmm. So for us and for me to be a part of that journey and like play these series now, I've never played a series like that. Like it was exhausting. I'm sure playing a team the same team like four times it's draining like it really felt like that last game too that we won was like man like we have to play another one because we thought you know we weren't sure we ended up coming back but at a certain point I'm like I don't know if I can play another game like yeah I'm exhausted so I think it was just that it was that feeling of just relief and happiness and excitement and Dis the disbelief that we just won, like being the sixth seed, it was just incredible, honestly. Totally. Do you have any good or any stories you want to share from the celebrations? Um, I mean, just the fact that Chance the Rapper was there. That was sick. Yeah. Like he what I he literally just acted like he was a normal person. I know, and he also was like, he was like part of the team. Like he I, was like, <laughs> give him a jersey, put him on the court, like he's it. I just I, he's been to one other game in our entire like my entire career at Chicago and then all of a sudden he's like at both of these home games and like and then celebrating with us and then we're in a club and like our team most of us are like standing on the top of the couches you know what partying and he's just is just walking around like the normal crowd just like like he's Hanging just out. a normal person yeah <laughs> I'm like I'm like do you know who you are because <laughs> if I was you I'd be up here not like you know anyone want to take pictures whatever so it was just really cool like he was really chill and just a very normal guy like to be chance the rapper honestly yeah, totally that's that's awesome I love that all right um so on Instagram you've been very transparent about your devotion to like new fitness and training routine uh especially this year so like how has nutrition because I know for me nutrition is a big thing in my career and just like my approach and preparation, how has nutrition played a role in your success this year? Yeah. So for me, this was probably my biggest year when it comes to like my body and stuff. Nice. Um, yeah, I lost in the off season. I decided not to go overseas. One, well, actually I was injured also. Uh, so okay. I couldn't, and then I decided not to. Uh, so I ended up, I lost 30 pounds. I felt like my injury was because of the weight that I gained from mm. quarantine and being, you know, being home. Uh, so I had to lose it. You know, I got more fit. And then that's where I started using this product called you can, if anyone okay. knows it, but it's like I've an energy product. Yeah. So it's all natural. It's zero sugar. Um, and I've been using that ever since I started my diet and stuff. And throughout the season during the Olympics, everything, uh, just because it's like, 
it kind of keeps my energy high, but there's no spike. Like I don't crash um, because of the sugar, which is very serious for me personally. Uh, because like anytime my trainer's like, Hey, Steph, take this. I instantly go to like the nutritional facts. And ever since I lost the weight, I'm just like trying to keep it off. Cause I yeah. don't want to go back, you know, to where I was. So yeah. So just using products like you can, and like other things, watching my carbs, my sugar, like all that stuff. It's just helped me kind of be the best player, you know, that I can be helped me last throughout the entire season in the Olympics. So Nice. Yeah. And is it, yeah. it's like an electrolyte drink or like, uh, like, a cap, is there caffeine? Like, what is it? Yeah. It's got a bunch of different products. There's like the, um, protein powder, electrolyte oh, nice. okay. drinks, there's energy bars, like nice. a bunch of, a bunch of products that, um, have just helped me kind of maintain my weight throughout the season and, um, still stay energized. And you let in there, obviously they taste good because you're, you like sweets, but it's your sugar <laughs> and you still use them. I do. They have the, my favorite protein powder. It's like cookies and cream, of course. Ooh, that sounds yeah. good. It's nice. actually really good. It's really, really good. So I make protein shakes all the time with that. Um, it's one of my favorite ones, probably because of the sweetness level, but whatever, I'll take it. <laughs> That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. All right. I've taken up a lot of your time already. So we're gonna finish with our repeat questions. If I wasn't playing basketball, I would be Oh, these ones. Oh, oh uh, gosh. Do we want like a fun answer or a normal? Tell me, answer? Stephanie. I don't know. I would say normal answer would be a coach. Fun oh, answer. Yeah. Would, okay. Yeah, it would probably be like like a dancer or something. Like if I could pick anything, it'd be like an incredible dancer or something like that. I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> this is so good. Great. You could probably you could be both. You know, post playing coach and dancer. That is true. Very true yeah um all right how do you how yeah how do you take your coffee oh sweet I'm a sweet coffee yeah I mean my favorite like a lot of Splenda or something like what is it yeah nailed it I love Splenda (laughs) okay and my favorite all-time coffee though is the pumpkin cream cold brew oh, oh my god okay actually I did take a little tester of one of my teammates and it's pretty good from starbucks yeah it's amazing i love anything pumpkin it's like oh god i have yeah, to get it like, every I'm day like, what what is in here it did it tasted like dessert but I, it is good yeah but it, yeah it also is very, very 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 sweet your sweetness are you is is fall your favorite season yeah probably i like okay. to be cold yeah all right for the pumpkin yeah. and be cold yeah. Yeah. All right. Who's the one, who's been the one person in your life that's always kept you moving? Moving? Yeah. I don't know. Moving's like a weird thing to say. I think like motivated. Yeah. Pushed you like, yeah. yeah. I guess I'd say my parents. I love that. I just, cause like, I know I, that's like a normal answer. I'm not, no, I'm not, I don't know why I'm saying it like that, but <laughs> yeah, it's, it's like, like, this is going to seem really weird, yeah. but I'm going to say my parents. <laughs> just because they really had like they have but they haven't they don't do it verbally it's like we're not a very words of affirmation family yeah no we are well no we're two words but like i'm oh, like a baby okay. With them. okay but it's not very like motivational or like okay you know so but i'd still say that i mean they're always the constant in my life that like has been there for me like I said, my dad driving me, like they brought me to all these practices, these games. So it's more so, I don't know about motivating me, but always the ones who have always rooted for me 
and like knew my potential even when I didn't. So love it. Shout yeah. out to the parents. Yeah. They say work hard, get lucky. How much of your success is predicated on luck? <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want me to explain or no? No, just you have to put a number to it and make everybody do it. Oh, an actual number. Ooh. Yeah. I'd say at least like 35%. Okay. That's good. Yeah. That's not, that's actually, that's like a medium range. So huh. I, know, I didn't want to go too much. And it's like, all right, well, what have I done then? <laughs> no, <I'm laughs> what, what have I personally achieved? Yeah, exactly. Um, last question. You've accomplished so much already. Where do you want to go next? And how do you keep pushing? Yeah. Uh, well, that would be coaching. I'd say, yeah. I think my next step is to just help the younger kids. Um, a lot of people tell me all the time about post players, like they just don't know this. They don't, you know, like they're not, I don't mean that rudely. I just mean like people don't teach them, you know what yeah. I mean? Like kids are growing up watching Steph Curry shoot threes. So everyone wants to be a guard. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, and I get it. I don't blame them. I also want to shoot threes all the time, but I have the fundamentals of being a post. So I think for me, yeah, it's just being a coach and then hopefully, um, you know, helping kind of the next generation of post players and like people, maybe even it's like someone just like me who's kind of underrated, who no one thinks could be great, but then I help them, you know, be something else. So yeah, probably coaching. I love that. Well, thank you so much for the time today. Um, it's been great chatting with you again. You've had an amazing year. It's been fun. I've been a fan from afar watching you shine and do great things. So keep pushing, keep crushing. Thank you're, you. Um, you're smashing it. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> oh, thanks. Thanks so much for listening. Our show is produced by Just Women Sports. For more great sports content, go to justwomensports.com and be sure to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. I'm Kelly O'Hara, and you've been listening to the Just Women Sports Podcast. Catch you next time.